Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rabbi Harry Pell, and today we are studying Masechet Shabbat Daf Pei Gimel. That's Tractate Shabbat Daf 83. Today's Daf contains an extended discussion of the type of ritual impurity, or Tum'ah, that is given off both by idols and by the implements used to worship idols. Of particular interest in this running dialogue is a question asked towards the top of Amud Bet, the second side of the page. By Rav Chama Bargoria. Rav Chama Bargoria asked the following question. Avodazara yeshna le'evarim o eina le'evarim. When it comes to avodazara, idol worship, and specifically when it comes to an idol that has been disassembled into its constituent limbs, does this pile of idol limbs impart ritual impurity? Does it give off tumah? Or perhaps it doesn't. The rabbis of the Gemara reject the question as being too expansive because it actually includes two scenarios, one of which has an obvious answer and one of which is indeed a legitimate question. So what's the important distinction between the two scenarios? In a case where an average layman could reassemble the idol's limbs back into an idol, the answer is obvious. You don't even need to ask the question. The idol is so easily repaired that it may as well be intact, and of course it imparts tuma, ritual impurity, as all intact idols would. According to this line of reasoning, the question of whether disassembled idol limbs impart impurity really only needs to be asked when an average layman wouldn't be able to quickly repair the idol by putting its limbs back together. It is in this case, in which the idol is not only disassembled for the moment, but also, practically speaking, broken, that we are not sure whether the idol limbs impart impurity. Others, though, see the question slightly differently. Note the subtle shift and difference in logic. Perhaps the case where we really know the answer is the case where the average layman could not reassemble the idol limbs, because in this case, it is as if the idol is really broken, and broken idols simply do not impart impurity. According to this line of reasoning, the area of our uncertainty would be the scenario in which an average layman could reassemble the idol from its limbs. It would be in this case that we would be uncertain whether the idol limbs impart impurity or do not, whether the idol is broken enough or not. In the first framing of the idol limbs, when the idol is so easily reassembled that it may as well be seen as intact, it is in that case that we believe that it definitely imparts impurity, and we limit the question to situations where the idol could be reassembled only with difficulty. In the second framing, the case we need not ask about is the case in which the idol could be reassembled only with difficulty. We treat that case as one in which the idol is essentially broken and it therefore does not impart impurity in any way. The case in which we admit uncertainty is the case where the idol limbs could be reconnected fairly easily. And this time around, it is here that we are uncertain as to whether the limbs impart tuma or don't. The logic here is razor sharp, and it forces us to do mental calisthenics, at least it forces me to. And the Gemara's answer? Teku. We don't know. 
We will have to wait for Eliyahu Anavi to come and settle all of the unanswered questions and disputes before heralding in the days of Mashiach. The Gemara now moves on to a new Mishnah and a new topic. The Mishnah asks the following question. How do we know that ships are not susceptible to ritual impurity? While most objects and implements in life are susceptible to Tumah, ritual impurity, some are not and are therefore automatically Tahor, ritually pure, and seagoing ships fall into this category. The Mishnah asks and attempts to answer the question. Why? Many answers are given, with the sweetest answer based on the very pasuk quoted by the Mishnah from Proverbs 30.19. There are four things which a person simply cannot know, one of which is the path a ship took below Yam in the heart of the sea after it has passed by. The explanation then is that since it is already obvious that a ship operates in the heart of the sea, this verse must come to teach us an additional lesson. Hakamashmalan. It comes to teach us that just as a ship operates in the heart of the sea, and a ship is like the sea, then just as the sea is impervious to ritual impurity, so too is a ship impervious to Tumah. The Gemara goes on to both accept and embellish this explanation, and also to challenge it, but it is the final words at the end of the daf that I found truly heartwarming. Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav Leolam al Rav Yehuda said in the name of Rav, From this instance we say, a person should never absent himself from the Beit HaMidrash, not even for a single hour. Why? What was it about the automatic purity of seagoing ships that proved this point? Shaharei kamashanim nishnet mishnazo beveit HaMidrash, velonit galata Behold, this Mishnah was taught again and again for years and years in the Beit HaMidrash, and it went unexplained until, one day, Rabbi Hanina ben Akavya arrived and explained it. And, if you had been absent from the Beit HaMidrash on that day, even for just a minute, you might have missed it. I hope you enjoyed today's daily daf differently, and I look forward to sharing more Talmud insights in the future. Toda and Yishar I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.